home. And while we're clapping, let's clap for everyone watching online right now. You're so welcome to. We're glad that you're with us, our online friends. We are in week three of a series called Nothing Really Matters. And yes, in the series vid, you would have heard that most famous song, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. I was chatting to one of our team the other day, and I said, hey, have you ever seen Wayne's World? And he said, no. I was like, what? If you want to understand me as a person... You have to watch Wayne's World. Hands up, come on, in the room or online. If you've ever seen Wayne's World 1, hands in the air like you really do care. Has one person really seen... Okay, next Sunday, so we're going to scrap the sermon. We're going to show Wayne's World Part 1 on the big screen. But of course, there's a very famous moment in that movie where the guys are in the car and they stick on Bohemian Rhapsody. Anyway, they sing the whole thing, the headbang. It was quite awesome. You should check it out. But the series is not based, unfortunately, off the Queen song. The series is based on, on us, on, 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 in the world that we live in, because I don't know if you've noticed, the world has gone completely mad. Like the world was always at best somewhat mad, but it seems like in the last two or three years, the world has gone really mad. The question that we're asking in the series is how do we as individuals, as families, as married couples, as just people, as humans in the world, whether we're believers or non-believers, followers of Jesus or not, how do we stay centered in this crazy world? So what we're doing over the six weeks in this series is we're unpacking these, these values, these things, these parts of our Christian worship, which really act like anchors in our lives to keep us rooted when the, when the emotional, spiritual, political weather, economic weather is crazy. Back in week one, we looked at faith. Last week, we looked at community. Today, we're going to look at peace. Next week, generosity, love. And we're going to finish the whole series off looking at hope. But the idea is this, that when we don't have these things, we don't have faith, our community, our peace, our generosity, our love, our hope, it is easy to lose our balance, isn't it? It's easy to, to lose our sense of centeredness, our sense of, of just being able to, to stand when, when we're getting buffeted and beaten up by the times around us and the times that surround us. Like, think about this. We just came out of the world's most, you know, epic, most deadly, most crazy pandemic, you know, and we all look forward to the end of that, only to be welcomed by war in Ukraine. We can need to pray, don't we, come on, for the people of Ukraine. We need, we need to pray for peace and for justice in that part of the world. But then, not only that, but we're facing these economic challenges challenges, inflation, things are more expensive, you know, all of a sudden a coffee was three euro, now it's like 15 euro, all of a sudden we're giving a coffee, we're all drinking hot water all of a sudden, we're bringing our own coffee, I mean we're adapting because things are crazy, this isn't just a, 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 a pervasive thing, like a worldwide thing, it's also crazy personally. And it can also be crazy in our private world. Because here's what I know as a pastor, here's what I know about being an individual. That so often when the world is crazy around us, the wor our world is crazy within us. And when the world around us is crazy and the world within us is crazy, it's very easy for us to lose our footing. It's very easy for us to lose our grip. It's very easy for us to lose our way. And all of a sudden, rather than pursuing dreams and, and attaining ambitions and succeeding in life, we find ourselves slipping and falling and failing. And very often this can lead us into places where we feel abandoned and we feel, you know, apathetic towards life, towards friendships, towards purpose, even towards God, and maybe even angry. And the bottom line is, I'm sensing as I talk to a lot of people, is a lot of people are just so worn out and feel so much of these emotions. It's almost like you're saying, you know what? Nothing really 
matters. What's the point? I mean, if you, if, you, if you go do something, there'll be a lockdown, there'll be a war, there'll be some economic downturn. I mean, what is the point? It seems like nothing really matters. What we're going to be talking about today in part three of our series is when it seems like nothing really matters, when it seems like we cannot be centered in our crazy world. How do we find peace? How do we find peace in our crazy world? Because so often when we think of peace, we think about the absence of conflict, like peace, to have a peaceful life, a peaceful country, a peaceful world means that we have an absence of conflict. But actually, when we look at Scripture, when we look at what God has to say about peace, the biblical definition of peace is different to our vernacular definition. Because in the Scripture, we see time and time again how men and women were in the midst of conflicts, in the midst of downturns, in the midst of suffering, and still they could experience experience peace. Now I believe everyone wants that kind of peace. Everyone wants a peace that can last a storm. Everyone wants a peace that can last a war. Everyone wants a peace that can last a pandemic or an economic downturn. Everyone is searching for that kind of peace. Everyone is desiring to live in that kind of peace. The problem is so often that I see anyway is that too many people are looking for peace in all the wrong places. Some people think, man, if I just had more holidays. Just me? That's me right there. I'm like, oh, all I need is one more holiday and I'll just be good to go. You know what I'm saying? You go on your holiday, you go for two weeks, Lanzarote, you feel great, the beach, the sun, the free food, it's cheap food, and all of a sudden you realize, I got to fly home. You know what I'm saying? And you know what? Even if you lived in Lanzarote, still you have to go home at some point back to reality. Some people think, man, if I could just have more holiday time, I'd have peace. What about money? Come on. Money buys peace, right? Not. You know what you want money? More money just brings more stress. I know a lot of people who are friends, I've got some family members who are extremely wealthy and they've been successful and they're inspirational, but they're the most stressed people I know. Because when the worst thing that can happen to you is you can't pay your 200 electricity bill versus 2 million for some asset or some investment or something you're doing, it's very different. Some must try to find peace in relationships. Yeah, exactly, right? Very often it leads to the opposite. Our materialism is the general, if I have things, I will be better. And of course, all these things offer a temporary form of peace, like getting a new toy, like getting a new gadget. For the moment, we're content. For the moment, we're happy. But then very quickly, all of a sudden, what was new now becomes next. Because something new and something better and something more appealing is always out there. It does not last. What this does to us in our, in our world, especially the Western world, is it gives us a warped idea of peace. That peace is some, you know, inattainable kind of, you know, goal that, you know, when, when, when there's no conflict, when there's no trouble, when there's no stress, then I'll have peace. But the truth is, we know that that, that world doesn't exist this side of heaven. So if we believe in that kind of peace, what we're actually accepting and confessing is that we will never experience peace. Like I said, God's peace, the peace that Jesus offers us, is different to the peace of the world. Why? Because this peace we're given is a peace that exists even in the midst of conflict. You see, we know that the world we live in can't offer us this kind of peace, but God can. So the question we're asking is, is where do we find peace? 
to stay centered in our crazy world. What we're going to do, we're going to turn to God's word. We're going to turn to Matthew's gospel, chapter 8, all of today's notes in the Bible app of you version. We're going to track along. They are all there. And what's really cool about this story that I'm going to share with you is that this story is actually told in all three of the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels because... Very simply, like the old Sky Remotes, when you press the I button for synopsis, a synoptic gospel just gives a summary of the life of Jesus. John's gospel is a little more theological. But what's really cool is that in all three of the gospels, this story is mentioned, and I love the fact that they all say the same thing. What, what we're going to jump into here is a moment where Jesus and disciples have come off the back end of an intense time of ministry, an intense time of work. He's been teaching, he's been healing, he's doing all sorts of crazy things, and then he instructs his disciples, get in the boat because we're on this side of the Lake of Galilee, we need to go to that side of Lake Galilee. It's too long to go around, so we'll get in a boat and we'll just travel across. And of course, if you're not familiar with your biblical history, this seems like a very good idea because half of Jesus' discipleship group were fishermen, or at least former fishermen, and they fished on the same lake that Jesus was about to cross on. So it seemed like a good idea. I got some fishermen. We got a boat. Let's just take the ferry and get across and save time. And so we're told in verse 23 that he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now, very important thing to note as I jump in here. What we're going to see next. So where Jesus is leading disciples, he's going to lead them into a storm, right? This is really interesting. Why? Because sometimes we think to follow Jesus or to believe in Jesus or to be a Christian means bad things won't happen to us. Uh, you know, the storms and the challenges for life, they're for people who don't believe. They're for people who don't have faith. They're for people who don't go to church. But the truth is, Jesus is about to lead his disciples right into a storm. You see, it, it brings the interesting principle that being with Jesus does not mean we're without problems. I'll say it again. Being with Jesus does not mean we're without problems. All it means is the problems we're with we're better off with, with Jesus. Because we're going to face problems anyway. And you can face them alone with, with, the, with the limitation of your own resources. Or you can face them with the unlimited resources of Jesus, the Son of God. So in verse 24, we're told, suddenly a furious storm. And that's how storms happen, right? Like, it's almost like, you know, you don't get warning. Like, I remember back in 2020 when I actually was in the States and we heard about COVID and like a lot of people, we kind of laughed at it like this is ridiculous. It's just a flu. What's the big deal? You know, nothing's going to happen. Flew home, was home about a week. We did St. Patrick's weekend in the church. And then all of a sudden, the entire world locked down. And it was like suddenly our entire world had changed. All the things we took for granted were now taken away. We're locked in our homes. We can't travel. We can't go to the gym. We can't see relatives. We can't go beyond two kilometers. I remember last year when, when our son was born, I'm going to show you a photo in a second, I went to buy a car seat. And I live near in Shockland, which is up in County Meath. And I was down here in Blanche to buy a car seat. And the guards wanted to arrest me for trying to buy my incoming son a car seat. Lud was eight months pregnant. He was coming in a few weeks. I was like, I need this car seat. But so crazy was our world, I was about to be arrested for trying to buy a car seat. Now listen, those of you who know me know that this latest son is my fourth edition. Okay, so we have four kids. So there was a side of me thinking, you know what? Being arrested 
may not be a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's a good time to be arrested. I mean, maybe like, yes, Gar, take me on. I'll phone it. Hey, Lord, you know, I'm so sorry. I got martyred for the cause. I'm in prison. I'm playing the PS5, and I really wish I could be there to help with the baby and the nappies. But hey, woe is me. I'm just a servant, and of course, I'm suffering for you. But the idea that I could be arrested for a car seat, that's mad. And even, like, even thinking back is, is bizarre. But whether it's a pandemic or a bad report for a doctor or being called into your, your boss's office to be told you're fired or finding out terrible news about your life or someone else's life, these things, these storms of life come suddenly and come without warning. And the same way for these disciples, suddenly a furious storm, we're told, came up on the lake so the waves swept over the boat so all of a sudden these experienced fishermen are in this boat there's this massive storm we know you know from uh, from geological surveys uh, that this was very common to see a galilee these winds would sweep in and create this, to- create this tornado-like effect on the lake which could be disastrous and all these experienced fishermen as we're going to see begin to freak out and of course what is jesus doing what are you doing? Come on. What do we think he's doing? We find ourselves in a storm. We're like, God, where are you? I'm struggling. I'm sinking. I'm dying. And Jesus sleeping in the boat. Now, at first glance, think, well, that's exactly where I expect God to be because obviously God doesn't care, right? The only reason why God could be asleep in the middle of these guys' storm is because he doesn't care. Well, that's not true. What, what Matthew's trying to show us is the humanity of Jesus that Jesus really did come in the flesh, that he really did come into our world as a man and experience, even though he was God, the limitations of being in a body. And one of those limitations that we can all identify with is tiredness, tiredness. I mean, have you ever been so exhausted that you're almost asleep standing up? Like I said, I went away on this trip and I was already tired leaving, lost my voice at a conference, spoke a bunch of services. I was on something like 11 planes in nine days. Get home. It's my son's first birthday yesterday. There's a photo here. So are you ready? And so we celebrate his birthday. Uh, little Jonathan is one. And uh, thank God for the weather. Come on, it's always better to have a party outside when the sun is shining. And uh, yeah. And, and man, I was just so tired. I was like, I don't even know if, am I, am I awake? Am I dreaming? Am I, where am I? What's going on? Who are you? Whose son is this? Like, I was so tired. In fact, when I was coming back from, from the trip on, on Thursday, I fell asleep as the plane was at the gate, and I only woke up eight hours later when the plane hit the tarmac in Dublin. And you only sleep so deep, you don't realize you're in a funny position. So I lost an AirPod, my tongue was hanging out, my neck was all funny, my leg was like this. And I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? Where's my leg gone? It was dead, finding my leg. Where's my AirPod? Oh, my neck. The guy beside me is like, is this guy on drugs? What's going on? I was like, no, no, no. I have lots of kids. Get back to a birthday party. I was that tired. I didn't even hear the announcements. I missed all the food. Boo-hoo. I mean, like, I, I woke up when the plane landed at Tarmac. I understand what it is to be, and you do too, what it is to be so tired that even though a storm is going on, you're asleep. Now, the scripture's clear. It wasn't just any kind of storm. It was a furious storm. Furious storm. And in fact, the New Testament was written in the Greek language, and in the original Greek, we're told that the waves swept over the boat. The word there is klepto, Okay. 
klepto. The, the waves slept, swept over the boat. So the boat's going through the sea. These massive waves are coming and crashing and literally covering the boat. I mean, the, the root word literally means to engulf, to cover, to steal. It's where we get the English kleptomaniac, okay? It's to completely cover the boat with water. To the point where we're told that, they, that those in the boat were completely overwhelmed by fear, by anxiety. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 22, he said this way, he said, A squall came down on the lake, so the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. Now understand, these are experienced fishermen. They grew up fishing this lake for their entire lives. So if the guys in the boat who are professionals at this thing who know this lake, like the back of the if they're freaking out, there's probably good reason to freak out. It was serious. It wasn't a joke. It was serious. And not only was, was the boat being swept with water, but we're told the boat was also filling with water. It's one thing to deal with the water outside the boat, right? It's another thing when the water's in the boat. And the point is, is that these disciples are absolutely shocked at the fact that Jesus seems to be apathetic towards the danger. And it leads me to a point where many of us maybe find ourselves today, whether online or in the room, where sometimes we think that God's silence is, means he's absent. Just because we can't hear him, just because we think he's not speaking, it must mean he doesn't care. It must mean he's somewhere else. But the truth is God's silence does not equate to his absence. Because even though Jesus wasn't speaking, Jesus was present in the boat. Let me tell you something. Jesus, if you allow him a space, will always be present in the boat. And when everyone jumps ship and abandons you, here's what I can guarantee. The last person to go will be Jesus. So verse 25, the disciples then went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. Save us. I mean, today, at this point, they had seen Jesus teach with authority. They did, they've heard Jesus talk with authority. But now they're about to witness Jesus work and walk in authority. They weren't fully sure what he could do. They just knew their best bet was with Jesus, which again is a great point. Maybe you don't have all the theology in the world or know all the facts or have all the, all the, all the, all the uh, science this thing pulled together. But if you can just lean in and press into Jesus, chances are if anyone's going to be able to save you, it's Jesus. And so they say, we're going to drown, which of course is a very real fear. They were in a state of panic. They were uh, afraid. And so Jesus replied to them, Oh, you little faith, why are you so afraid? That he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. What's so interesting here is that I think the disciples were thinking Jesus could, I don't know, create like a, a peace bubble to protect them or you know, manifest ring boys or life jackets. I don't think any of them expected the fact that Jesus would literally stand up, speak to the storm, speak to the waves, speak to the rain, speak to all these things, and all of a sudden it will become completely calm. Let's be honest. It's not what we want in our lives when your marriage is falling apart, when your world is falling apart, when your mental health is falling apart, when your finances are falling apart. We just want that feeling of complete calmness. And many people are searching for, like I said, in all the wrong places, trying to medicate themselves into calmness, trying to meditate their ways into calmness, trying to buy their way into complete calmness, trying to escape their way into complete calmness. But here we see that Jesus offers the peace that even when the ship is sinking, even when everyone's abandoning us, even when everything's working against us, we can still experience complete calmness. That's worth celebrating. Come on. 
And what's interesting is Jesus didn't rebuke the disturbance. Jesus wasn't upset with them interrupting his nap. He wasn't upset with them for, for coming. He was upset for them for their lack of belief. Because, because the, the basic idea is this. Jesus is Son of God, Savior of the world. They hadn't fully realized this yet. But when Jesus is in your boat, even though it seems like the, the boat is sinking, even though the boat is sinking, even though the boat has sank, even though the boat's the bottom of the water, if Jesus is in your boat, it can be resurrected, it can be reclaimed, it can be rescued. Nothing is beyond his ability to save. So he's like, hey, don't you, haven't you guys got Don't you realize who I am? Like, even if this boat sank, the safest place on planet Earth in that moment was not on dry ground, but in that boat. It seems counterintuitive. We think, no, no, the safest place is our feet on dry ground. No, the safest place in the world at that point in time is wherever Jesus is or was. See, life storms, like I said, you know, when life gets crazy, it's so easy to lose our footing, to lose our grip, to lose our way. And that's what storms do. Storms try to sweep us from our feet. I don't know if you've ever been to the beach when the waves are strong. Many, many years ago, we were in holidays in Portugal, went to this beach, and we'd been warned that the current was, the undercurrent was really strong. Yeah? So it seemed like they're normal waves, but when you get in the water, as the water recedes, it just it just takes you off your feet. And, and particularly for children, it was so dangerous. So we're on the beach just doing our family thing. And all of a sudden, one of the boys went in. And I mean, it was literally past his ankles. And I'm watching the whole time, being a responsible parent. But in like a second, bang, he's on his back being sucked into the ocean. And I was thinking, thank God I got three where that one came from. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, I'd be, no, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I don't like water. But I ran into the water. I got as far as my knees, and I did the heroic thing and rec- rescued my son. I tell that story all the time. But the point is, it didn't seem like much. On the surface, it didn't seem very threatening. But the undercurrent was so strong, it knocked, knocked off our balance. And we are most vulnerable, aren't we, as human beings, when we're on our back, when we're down. And you know what? One of the things that we have to remember is that we have an enemy. Like, if there's a God, there's a devil. And he is very real. And sometimes we want to attribute all the pain and brokenness in our world to God. But we do that, we completely ignore the fact that there's a devil. And we're told in Scripture that his entire plan and desire is to completely destroy us, to steal from us, to, to, to kill us. And he isn't, just, he isn't just satisfied with killing. He wants total destruction. And so you think, man, I'm down. Give me a chance. No, no, no. There's no, there's no rules of combat. There's no rules of engagement when it comes. And I mean, he will kick you when you're down. And I know what it is, as you do, to know the feeling of having our feet swept from under us and being on our back because of a storm. The question is, who do we turn to? Where do we go? Because pills don't work. And money doesn't work. And just being surrounded by people doesn't work. And geographically relocating yourself doesn't work. Because wherever you go, there you are. And the problem isn't them. And the problem isn't there. The problem's in here. And the only person that can speak to the storm within us and bring complete calmness is the person of Jesus. You see, we, we can control to some degree our circumstances. But only the God that made us can speak to the brokenness within us. Disciples were amazed, we're told in verse 27, and asked, 
What kind of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? You see, at first, the disciples were afraid because of the storm, but now they've come to the realization that there is something more powerful with them, in the boat with them, and the storm around them, and that is the person of Jesus. I mean, they had seen him do some pretty crazy miracles. They had seen him move in some pretty incredible ways, but they'd not seen a man to this point who could speak to the storms of the world and have them obey him. See, we may not find ourselves, thank God, in a physical storm right now. Last time I checked, the sun is shining outside, right? So thank God for that. How many of us doing barbecues today? Come on with me. I said, no, don't be with me in my house. Do barbecue in your house. But it's a barbecue together, you know what I'm saying? <coughs> but... uh Absolutely. So we may not have a physical weather situation going on, but come on, let's be honest. Every single one of us online in the room, we're facing something right now. Some kind of test, some kind of challenge, some kind of storm that is messing with us. And the question we ask ourselves in this series is, how do we stay centered? What do we do? Where do we go? What options do we have? Where do we find peace to stay centered in our crazy world? And today's message is very simple. It isn't, it isn't the most, you know, uh, in, intelligent, most eloquent, most complicated. The answer is very simple. We find peace in Jesus. We find peace in... And if you're here, you're not a Christ follower or watching online, and you wonder, man, what, what, what do you guys believe in? We believe Jesus is the answer to what? It. It what? It all. You mean, yep. Yeah. And, yeah. What about, yes, even, yep, he is the answer to everything. Because even when your boat is sinking, even when you're losing control, even when the world around you, the world within you is capsizing under the pressure of the storms of life, Jesus is present. And if we allow him a space, if we allow him a place in our lives, even though fathers and mothers, brothers, even though Spouses, even though friends jump ship and abandon us in our greatest moment of need, there is one person who will never abandon us. His name is Jesus. No matter the storm, no matter the circumstance, the promise Jesus gives us is that in him we can experience true peace. That's why he says in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. Jesus promised that you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. In other words, the peace that Jesus offers us is stormproof. It's stormproof. It's better than any insurance policy you can get. It's better than any kind of, you know, uh, a safety plan you can get. Jesus' promise of peace is stormproof. One of the things that I have had the privilege over many years of pastoring people to witness is to witness this peace in action in a way that does not make sense. I've seen people suffering in hospital, about to die, be completely with peace because in their storm, Jesus is with them. I've watched people lose their marriage and still find peace, not in the world, but in the person of Jesus. I've watched people go to the most difficult of circumstances where their life is literally falling apart. And still they have peace. Just the other day I was hearing about our friend who was a pastor in Ukraine who was actually, he, he, he was wounded by mortar fire. A whole piece of his arm is gone. A pastor 
fighting for his country. And when he was asked, how are you doing? He said, I have peace. It doesn't make sense. How can you have peace? You're in a war. Your country's been destroyed. Your peace, your body's missing. Like, how can you experience peace? It makes no sense. Why? Because it isn't the world's definition of peace. It's a peace that can only be found in Jesus. It's a complete calmness. Even though the world around us is crazy. It's a centeredness. It's a security. It's a sense of being in the hand of God, trusting that even though I may not hear him right now, or even though I may not see him right now, I know he is with me. And he won't allow my, my ship to sink. So, how do I experience this peace? How do, I, how do we access? How do we take hold? What can we do to experience this kind of peace in our lives? Number one, we need to believe in Jesus. Right? Because... <clears throat> He didn't rebuke the disturbance. He rebuked their disbelief. I mean, God, God can work with our rudeness. God can work with our crassness. God can work with our candor. But God can do very little with our disbelief. Now understand, he isn't saying we'd have a Fort Knox-sized peace. Jesus said, if you have the faith of but a mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, God can do amazing things. What, 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 what God is inviting us to do is to give him a chance. Like you've already tried everything else. Come on. You've been through the relationships. You've been on your holidays. You've tried the medication. You've already tried all those things and they have failed. Why not give God an opportunity to do something in your life? I'm not saying you have to agree with everything or believe anything, but just open your heart a little bit to the possibility that Jesus is in fact who he says he is, the Son of God and Savior of the world. And by the way, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah? You open up your heart, you give him a shot, nothing happens, fair play, well done. Go on about your merry life. But what if when you open your heart, God is who he says he is, and he fills you with love, and he fills you with purpose, and he heals your heart, and he heals your brokenness, and he puts your feet back on solid ground, and he gives you a plan and direction and a peace that the world cannot buy? What happens then? This is, the, this is why we call the gospel good news. Because we want that, and that is good news. If, of course, it's true, and the only way we can know it's true is if we open our hearts to believe in it. Number two, receive from Jesus. Again, because it's one thing to believe, but are we willing to receive? I, th- I believe this. I believe one of the reasons why, and speaking particularly to Christians right now, Christ followers, one of the reasons why we struggle sometimes as Christ followers to fully experience God's peace is because we struggle to give God full control. You see, for disciples, they had no choice. They'd lost all control. The rudder wasn't responding. The sail wasn't responding. They weren't able to row back to shore. Like they were completely out of control at the mercy of the storm. And in that moment where they had no control, they completely surrendered to Jesus. But that's not the case with our lives, is it? It's like, God, I want to do your plan, but I'm just going to drive this way for a bit. And God, I want your will, but I'm just going to go that way a bit. And God, even though you're saying go that way, I'm going to roll this way, you know what I'm saying? Just for a while, you know what I'm saying? Just, just for a season. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in places with people doing things we never thought we would do in ways we never wanted to do them, full of regret, wondering how did I get here? Where is the peace of God that he's talking about? And the truth is, the peace of God in your life is as close as your total surrender to Jesus is. The minute you say, God, it's yours, not mine. Always in your peace. Why? Because, because peace comes from the fact that God is in control. 
even when I'm not. Why can't we suffer with peace? Because God's in control. Why can Christians die with peace? Because God's in control. Why can we find peace even when everything's working against us because nothing happens to us beyond the plan and purpose of God? The more we can take hold of God's sovereignty, the more we can trust in His faithfulness, the more we can surrender our lives to Him, the more we can experience God's peace. To receive God's peace, we have to relinquish our control. And if you're struggling to experience that, I would say, I would suggest the problem's not in God's camp. The problem's in our ability to relinquish control. We believe, we receive, and then we live. Because here, here's the bottom line. Why, why do we do this as a church? We do this as a church because we believe life is better with Jesus. I don't, in, I don't mean some weird, mystical, spooky. I mean, living your life every day with Jesus as the center, I am convinced is the best way to live your life. Because when Jesus is at the center of your life, you're more kind. You're more generous. You're more patient. You're more servant-hearted. You're generally more loving. You're more at peace. You're more hopeful. You're looking beyond your own interests, but to the interests of others. Like not all the time because we're humans, yeah, we mess up. But in general, that is our nature when God, when Jesus is at the center of your life. When Jesus is not at the center of your life, who is? I am. And when I'm the center of my life, I'm greedy. And I'm mean. And I'm aggressive. I'm going to take what's mine. And don't you get in the way because you're going to be in trouble. Because the dog-eat-dog world, yeah, it's a rat race, right? And it's a survival of the fittest. The strongest eat. It's all these mantras. And so we see it's working out in our world. People being mean. People being cruel. People doing things that, that destroy and diminish and tear down. The opposite of what we're told we should be when we live in peace. I'm not saying we become monks, okay? I'm not saying we all move off to the West Coast and like live in some weird, you know, nunnery and like drink wine and ring bells all day. That's not what I'm suggesting. Okay, well, the wine part will be fun. But the rest, we're going to leave. I'm saying that in your, when you're in college, in work, on a, on a sports pitch, whatever it is you're doing, when you live with Jesus, your life is better. And you're better at life. And to live right now in this crazy world we find ourselves in, with the peace of Jesus, I think it's the most powerful thing that we can have right now. Peace. A peace that goes beyond understanding. A peace that cannot be stolen or robbed by the storms of life. A peace that speaks to our soul and brings complete calmness. Today, as we close this message, I don't don't want to just talk about peace or explain peace. I want us to experience peace. I want us to experience the peace that only God can give. And here's the good news. It's free. It doesn't cost anybody anything. And no one needs to do anything weird to get it. It's as simple as Rebecca said, opening our hearts and saying, God, I'm willing to give you the space of a mustard seed and trust you today. Can you imagine what your life would be like if tomorrow morning you wake up and whatever news comes your way, good or bad, you're at peace? Can you imagine like when, when plans don't work out and you're, you're, the, the bank account is running low and, and people are mean to you, that despite, what, despite all the things that life throws at you, Imagine what it's like to live with that kind of peace all the time. I don't mean moments of bliss like the world problem. I mean, I mean security, sustainable security. 
that only comes from trusting in the power and control of a loving God. Imagine what our world could look like if we as a church walked in this kind of peace. If we could offer this peace. Imagine what it could do to our, our communities, our schools, our places of work, our nation, the world, Russia, if they could get hold of this kind of peace. Hey, we are so grateful that you could join us today. We really hope and pray that you were encouraged, that you feel blessed by this message. And you know what would really help us? If you could click the like button and also subscribe to our channel because we want to get this message across Ireland and the world and that would really, really help us. So please go and do that. Um, and also to let you know that you can watch and listen to previous messages and find out a whole bunch of stuff on our website, Lighthouse Church. And something else that's really cool, Jake. Tell us about something our else. Today. Yes, guys, we have a brand spanking new Lighthouse Church app. Yeah. So make sure to go download it on our website, or you can download it via the app stores. And there's a lot of cool things in there. You can rewatch previous messages, and there's also some downloadable content for you guys. So make sure to download the Lighthouse Church app. And there's also the Old Fashioned Bible on it. Bible is so important. So, and you know what? Even better than this experience today that we've had is church in person. It's just so good. We meet every Sunday morning in Navin and in Dublin. You can find out all the information on our website, uh, but it's at 11 a.m. every Sunday in person, and we have the best time. So come join us. Uh, we would love to have you with us. So we'll see you next week for Lighthouse Church Online, 7 p.m. Yes. right here. And also, don't forget to follow our social media handles, lighthousechurch.ie. So we'll see you next week, guys. Bye.